Ship's Log, Entry 10-39 Today is a momentous occasion. Representatives from all across the Far Realms will be meeting inside of me to discuss the ongoing military conflict that has claimed so many lives. If the Velvet Foxes correctly navigate the complexities of intergalactic politics, then the Elephant Civil War can end today. What follows is a list of relevant information relating to the parties involved. The first delegation is the Progressive Elephant Faction, led by the Angelic Ceramorph Admiral Grice from the flagship Evulsion. This group wishes to integrate their species into the wider interstellar community after eons of imperialism. The Velvet Fox's initiative was founded to aid these aliens, mainly by distributing cloning machines which allow for the elephant life cycle to complete without loss of sapient life. The Progressive Illithids are sending PR Officer Dot as their delegate to the peace talks. The second delegation is the Revanchist Mind Flayer faction, led by the Elderbrain Dracus from the flagship Delenda Est. This group wishes to conquer the galaxy and bring all people into one universal hive mind. One plan to enact this is the building of a Maatrioshka brain, a megastructure which leverages the energy of a star to power a nearby limitless computer. In addition to their violent conquest of countless planets, the elder brains of this faction are building a Dyson Sphere to advance their agenda of crafting the ultimate hive mind. The revanchist mind flayers are sending Jennifer, the clinical psychiatrist, as their delegate to the peace talks. The third delegation is the mysterious Sermon species. Very little is known of their culture and nothing is known of their leadership, but they possess extremely advanced technology such as their graphene flagship and the Formith cubes. Recent intel acquired by Tully's monsters have confirmed that the Sirlons have a dangerously low population. Exacerbated by their inefficient life cycle, the Sirlons are sending a Formith cube as their delegate to the peace talks. The fourth delegation is a loose federation of beholders. Traditional beholder culture is highly individualistic, and thus has no formalized hierarchy. The warlord, Yash, has acted on behalf of beholderkin in the sector through a campaign of terrorism, including the sabotage of the last high-level peace talks. While beholders are very dangerous on a personal basis, they risk alienation from all galactic civilization if the collectivist elephants are able to usher in a new age of peace. The Beholders are sending Yash as their delegate to the peace talks. Uh, addendum. The secret fifth delegation is the Lickums Ice Cream Company. I, the DM Resubium, contain a wormhole engine that can connect to any two points in space-time. This makes me the most valuable asset in all creation. This intellectual property must be protected at all costs. Therefore, the Lickums Company is sending me as their delegate to the peace talks. We got levels here. Um, so my question to you, Austin, before we start these peace talks here is, okay, so you're, you're clearly saying that these are peace talks. And whenever you say one thing, that means the opposite's going to happen. So so you're saying we should roll initiative before the talks even happen, right? Uh, they put you in a locker before the peace talks so you can't interfere. You're stuffed in there real good. 
Everyone, everyone on the ship got together. Yeah. Remember the deal, everyone. I'm gonna t- fire a shot at one of the delegates and like start all the chaos. So all of you know that's gonna happen, and therefore you don't have to worry about doing it. Don't worry, I'll definitely bring the chaos. Technically, we are part of the delegates, so could you just shoot one of us? I mean, that's least likely to create a diplomatic incident of all the people I could shoot. Yeah, if there wasn't the threat of kill, then they would just be talks. No, they would be peace talks. <laughs> okay, let's... As opposed to murder talks, Austin. <laughs> looks at... You're the one that did the kill. You're the one... You're the reason chaos at the last peace talks. That's not true. I ended the chaos, so we don't have time to relitigate this. <laughs> Free Wendy McDonald. Okay, Austin, Austin, in two mm-hmm. minutes from now, when I shoot one of the delegates and say, I wasn't starting chaos, I was ending it, are you going to agree with me? <laughs> I, I think a bunch of different characters will have different feelings about that action, so that'll be fun. Um, my thought my thought was that the whole shoving Max in a locker was because that's somehow a tradition on the Razubian for newlyweds to be shoved into lockers together or something, which is a weird tradition. I, I wrote a lot. I didn't have time to make a PowerPoint, like I said, because we're recording this a bit earlier than normal. So sadly, uh, my plan to get a bunch of pictures of sexy firemen, that'll make sense later, don't worry, uh, did not come to pass. <laughs> Oh no. Audience, you have no idea what DMing Dan is like. He is constantly planning and plotting seven steps ahead. I feel I'm constantly uh, being watched like by the eye of Sauron. The only downside is that Dan will just lay out his plans so you can just look at it and be like, okay, we'll just not do that, not do that, not do that. Okay, gotta go to plan nine in outer space to make this work here. Well, luckily, I've got uh, 10 more plans after that, and none of them are good. <laughs> all right, so we are on the Rezubian. All the characters we know and love are there on the ship uh, as the other uh, delegations arrive. I feel like someone should probably be taking notes, but it's not my problem, so <laughs> I'm just going to say these things. Uh, and all- let me get my notebook back. <laughs> I'll, be a, I'll be a responsible adult. Uh, there are four uh, parties to this uh, conference. Uh, first up, I'm just going to read from my notes here, is the Mind Flayers led by Dracus. Uh, they show up. They have a whole fleet of ships that are uh, uh, shaped like different cephalopods. So Nautilus, uh, Squid, Octopus. And they are proportional by size of those animals. So like the smallest one is the Nautiloid because that is like... You know, in real life, the the Nautilus gets, you know, like hand-sized. And the biggest one is the uh, giant squid. That is the flagship that Dracus, the Elder Brain, is on. That is many, many, many times the size of every other ship here. Um, I, I said this one first. I guess I should have said them all and then said <laughs> one that shows up that's bigger than all the rest of them put together. Um, but this is Dracus's flagship. The Delenda Est is what it is called. It is, looks like a giant squid. Um, and that is the first one to arrive. He's excited uh, f- to find out who he gets to kill. Uh, next up is the uh, progressive Illithids led by Admiral Grice. We've already seen their fleet of uh, 36 random ships of different uh, size and danger, uh, led by the CC Avulsion. This is uh, the ship that was in the murder mystery arc. Grice is the angel illithid. Third up, we have just a giant ominous 
uh, polygon. <laughs> it's just a strange, almost diamond-shaped thing. It's kind of a spaceship, space station hybrid. That This is like the final boss fight of Away Team when we stormed one of these to fight Yaush for the first time. Uh, you assume this is the representative for the Surlon. You don't know much more than that. It, uh, that's what shows up. It's just a giant fucking strange uh, shape in the sky. It's very, very large, uh, much like the um, Delenda Est, the giant squid ship. If you get into a fight with this, you'll probably have to board it, and then it'll be a whole dungeon. So keep that in mind. And then finally is the Beholders, who don't have a flagship. Uh, beholders don't believe in like military tactics or <laughs> anything like that. They just all build their own personal ship, which they think is the best. So there's just a smattering of those uh, tyrant ships, which are like the eyeballs with the trailing optic nerves. And there's just, you know, hundreds of those, but there's no one big obvious target. Um, so those are the, the four groups that are, uh, you know, in space outside of your ship, which is just like in the middle. And uh, we're going to have all these people talk to each other. And the ones who agree with you will be, will be your allies. So the ones who you don't, um, you know, give them what they want, they will be your enemies. And then presumably that will be the final boss fight. Is there any questions before we establish anything else about the four fleets who show up? Uh, yes. Uh, are the greys here? No. Okay. And second question. Uh, King Humongous was invited, right? I mean, he is a member of royalty. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on the Resubian that we know and love is on the Resubian. So I, unless, uh, you know, circumstances change that, uh, the, you know, King Humongous is just on the ship like he always is. Got it. Just wanted to make sure we had a representative of his, uh, his kingdom here. Okay. Uh, technically, the Resubian is a you know a neutral arbiter that has been you know selected by the Lickums Corporation <laughs> to just be a, a channel through which talks happen. But all of you are going to be in on like the psychic Skype call. Uh, basically, all, all the you know elder brains and the Ulithrids, everyone's gonna kind of get in the chat together. So you all will be able to chime in. I think it may, maybe from the perspective of the other participants, your voices will come through. Like uh, uh, Captain Slack Dumeal, just for the authority of it, but feel free to just talk normally. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say was that there are going to be some guests that come on board. Just like <laughs> the traditional thing about these kind of peace talks is like what in other times would be called like a, an exchange of hostages. Just so that, you know, you can't just open fire on someone. Your people need to be on board too. So uh, each of the ship... Uh, all you know, each of the fleets sends over uh, someone to kind of chill out <laughs> on the Resubian with you. Uh, Admiral Grice sends over Dot, who is an Illithid now. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the Surlon just send over a Formith cube. It just floats on board. We know these can talk, uh, and it's just this cube by itself. Uh, Yaush sends. Yaush. <laughs> uh, a kind of secret thing here is you are like closer to him than maybe the other delegates know. Um, it's, it's a kind of a ethical question here, but uh, you kind of masterminded this with him. Uh, interestingly, Dracus sends over an illithid, some of you are familiar with, a flump illithid named Jenny. Hmm. Who hired uh, Rommel back in the first away arc so we know she knows them 
she is uh, presenting herself as kind of a psychological expert and master negotiator. But obviously, Dracus isn't going to bring over his 10 AC brain meat <laughs> onto your ship. Mm. So. Yeah, th- thing that's worth like thinking about as a group. Uh, if if Yaush, you know, the rest of the delegates don't know that we're already sort of on board with Yaush, something there's potentially room for is making it seem like Yaush has compromised in ways that, like, Yaush is already cool with. Like, ma- making it seem like if there's anything we've already sort of agreed that Yaush is going to be on board with, we can make it seem like Yaush is making a sacrifice to, you know, uh, make a middle ground. Feels like something to keep in mind. Yeah, so most of this episode, or I, mean, I don't know how long it's going to go. I don't know what the outcome is, right? Like, if someone could just start blasting. Uh, you, you, the audience, if you've downloaded this onto a podcast app, presumably you can see if the episode name has parentheses finale in it. <laughs> uh, I don't currently know if this is the last episode. Uh, but, uh, you know, any, anything could happen here. But uh, a lot of this is going to happen just kind of theater of their mind conversation. But I want to say in meat space, in the ship, the four of you are like sitting around a table with these four representatives. So uh, Dot, Jenny, uh, a four myth cube, and Yaush are physically in the room with you. So, Dan, do you want to start, like, detailing your, like, a billion point plan of how you're going to single-handedly <laughs> fix the peace talks? Oh, where to start? <laughs> Let me scroll up on our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Buford looks honestly kind of haggard. I think he spent, like, several days up to this point uh, just up with Bridget and whoever else he could pull in uh, to his plotting, uh, going over, like, schematics and... Uh, uh, plans and um, uh, what is it like his his ideas on how we can meet out um, like some level of compromise Bu- Buford's like overall view on this is that getting to peace at this point is both a matter of like reinforcing the fact that the structure of the universe is literally fucked <laughs> unless we all come to some level of agreement to fix it and as well, at this point, it's not a matter of, like, kumbaya peace. It's a matter of, like, convenience and your ability to tolerate each other and to go back to your respective factions and say that, yeah, you we won over and beat the other guys when at the end of the day you really just compromised and took what you could get. So you give that whole big speech in the group chat. Everyone shows up for the peace talks and Buford stands up. And says, like, oh, so there's more at stake here than our petty squabbles? Uh, no, but I think that's where he starts uh, first off. He, he uh, says, um, look, cards on the table. The foundational structure of the universe is collapsing currently. And we are trapped in a box. We have a shot at peace here because if it if peace fails and there is a shootout, there's not going to be much left of this little chunk we're trapped in. And you might, one particular faction or group, might come out over the other to rule over the ashes. Or, we can compromise, get out of here alive, and advance towards some level of not a clusterfuck. Dracus is the next to speak. He says, 
typical Earth mindset. Soul is but one star in the night sky. It is nothing compared to the infinite vastness of space. You overstate the stakes here, human. Can, can I raise my hand? Absolutely. Everyone gets the mental emoti like emoticon of a raised hand. <laughs> space yes. is not the infinite. It does have an end. And much of it is uninhabitable. <laughs> Admiral Grace uh, sends a fist bump in the chat. <laughs> uh, I will. When, when Dan talks, sorry, when Buford talks about being trapped in a box, Max just kind of side eyes the fourth cube that's just sort of floating <laughs> nearby them the whole while. I just thinks that's a weird choice of words. Anyways, yeah, it, it uh, is floating menacingly somehow. It's like slightly, you know, shifting like a Tetris uh, cube is just kind of like changing mildly, but it hasn't spoken yet. Um, and it's just it's just floating there, strangely. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really know how we go in. <laughs> Should I just start reading my actual suggestions here? I'm not I'm not sure like the best way to to go about this is. Well, I mean, you you're welcome to read like stuff out of character, and we can talk yeah. about like how we we might want to address that to mm. the group. So I, I guess that's the best place to start. Um, I think. Probably the best idea to start with is the Surlons, because we don't really know anything about their overall goals other than Feast of Worlds, build up strange military to uh, uh, compensate for a, a lack of population. And they aren't, I guess, as big of a player in everything, but that also means that they benefit from infighting from larger factions and are potentially at a worst position if there is some level of peace between them because that means that attention can focus on, can switch to looking at who else is causing problems, reformeth cubes disrupting uh, smaller populations. Um, Were you flipping through paper notes or is that Laura? Oh, that was me. That was me flipping to the Sirlon page I have made for making notes about these uh, talks. Oh my god, I love this. This is, what, this is what I've wanted for the show since the beginning. I have almost an entire notebook filled up this season from this fucking show. I, <laughs> there, there is one notebook that is the season 10 notebook. Mm -hmm. Very, awesome. very poorly written sentences, but you can just about make, make out all the ideas. So... Uh, what we want from them at this point is knowledge of what is what occurred back in Seoul, so we can get back, avert this uh, like world tree shattering disaster, and fix uh, fix that whole situation, um, and potentially some things related to Formith, which would be part of my ideas for um, Dracus's coalition. Uh, what we have to offer them potentially is that uh, Surlons, they only reproduce when they have access to dead Surlons. So as a result, they like that's a hard um, situation to force necessarily uh, to expand their numbers, which is why they invest in weird technology. It also means that if, like I said, if, uh, in a straight-up shooting war, they can get into a bad scenario because each individual person is more valuable and they have to recover the bodies when they die. We have body cloning tech... We could either offer this to them or get a contract deal to give them X number of clone Sirlon bodies that they can just euthanize to pump up their numbers in turn. The, the concern there obviously is 
This is a species that the only thing we really know about them uh, solidly is that they love to eat other species. I will say, if if you all are talking about this psychically, uh, Admiral Grice will speak up and say, there are only so many cloning machines to go around. They are wildly expensive. Diverting resources from the Illithid Peace Project for these worms would be a huge betrayal. Now, you don't have to take Admiral Grice's word for it. I will say, giving the Sirlons the machines would satisfy the Sirlons, but that this is what the game we're playing is everyone has overlapping and contradictory interests. Yes. Okay, I, I think maybe maybe a place for us to start with this is... Um, uh, tri- is it... And I, I'll, I'll, okay, I was going to just jump into this in character, but I think I'll, I'll run it past the group. We know basically nothing about the Sirlons. I'm going to hazard a guess that the other delegates don't either. I think there is maybe a place where we could push here by going, by going, hey, everyone else's sort of cards of what they're after here is on the table. You are the one unknown element, and to try and get the other factions to go, yeah, what is it that you're after? Because I th- I would suspect there's probably a majority of people here that are very curious to hear the Sirlons tell us what the fuck they would like. And one other thing I would note, I do think it is in the Sirlons' interest to get access to Sol and other parts of the galaxy reinstated, both for their desire to feast... And if one of these, uh, let's say Dracus wins it all and just wipes out everybody else, succeeds, then he's just going to turn to the Sirlons and in a lesser space that they can, can't like escape out to, they have a further problem occurring there. So it is, it is in their interest that some level of like return to the greater galaxy or peace deal is achieved. Yeah, we need to start having conversations in in character. So I'm I'm just going to jump in. Trizzy is basically going to raise to the, uh, the the delegates. Um, so all of us have basically come here with pretty car, uh, pretty pretty much hands, at, you know, cards on the table. We all understand what all of us want, and you know, we we know enough to start these conversations. But I think there is one unanswered question before we could really get started. Um, Sirlons, we need to know anything about what you're after. We we need some starting point with you. Yeah, everyone physically in the room with you looks at the Formith cube uh, as, yeah. if, as if it's going to answer. And uh, several beats go by without any verbal confirmation. And then Jennifer, the psychologist that Drake has sent over, says to the group, the Sirlon are hyper-intelligent in the sense that they can build really advanced technology from our perspective. But I wouldn't think of them as conscious in the same way that we are. Think of them more uh, akin to radiation. They're a very powerful force that can accomplish goals. But if you get in their way, they will just tear you apart. It's not really something you can negotiate with. Like, they have minds, but they're so different than yours and mine, than mine, that it's not really apples to apples. But they have 
they have an interest of some kind. Absolutely. They understand goals. So, for example, if you want to offer them bodies, they would accept and they would trade their information yeah. from that. They go home happy. They win. Yeah. And then everyone has to fight Admiral Grice. So they won't tell us what they, they want, but if we put something on the table, they will thumbs up or thumbs down. Max is looking at the cube with a very different intent in their eye, and it's almost like they whisper for a moment, just, I wonder who is inside of you. Just sort of looking at the cube, just sort of, not really longingly, but just sort of like, just trying to glean whatever they can from it as someone who has, well, actually been connected to and gone through the whole Formith uh, college of, well, existential horrors and all that such there. Um, For the first time since becoming a Illithid, uh, a dot speaks up on screen and just says, I think it's rude to ask who's inside of who. And she uh, <laughs> nudges St. Cecilia. Um. Yeah, before I guess before we move on for the second from the uh, the the Sirlon until we have a better uh, better idea, um, Trizzy is going to at the very least say say out loud something that Dan sort of uh, posited, which is um, would preventing souls destruction and therefore ensuring that there are a lot more bodies that could be consumed out there in space. Be enough to motivate you to help us. Yaush, of all people, speaks up, and he kind of warned uh, uh, Mathers about this last episode that he's not he's not playing with you know kid gloves with you all just because mm. you were nice to him. And he says we would be pretty poor negotiators if all we wanted out of this was something you were already going to do. <laughs> we need concessions, is what we're here for. Uh, every delegate came with a wish list. Indeed, but they're not telling us our, our, our wish, their wish list, so I'm just... I thought it was worth asking. Okay, well, this is a good opportunity for us to open up, then. What's on your wish list? Go. Yeah, yeah, she just immediately spits back. Beholders, uh, uh, beholders get a seat at the table. Mind flayers leave. We can't both be, we can't both be part of galactic civilization. How about Grice's illithids and beholders stay? And I have a potential idea to get Dracus what he wants and out of here. Dracus is intrigued. Out of here, you say? Tell me more, cyborg. Everyone's real focused about going into the past. Why don't you just fuck off to the future? Way in the future. <laughs> Fucking hell, Dan. God damn it. <laughs> I had, so, I had so, all of my preparation and you just dick punched me. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, I'd never thought of that. Jesus. Yeah, you know, <laughs> punting the mind flayers into the future. Um, fuck. I, here's, yeah. here's what I'll say is Jennifer, uh, before Dracus can even say, says, uh, uh, that's an intriguing notion. I think we might be on board for that. And looks over at Grice, uh, or, you know, looks over at Dot, who represents Grice, who nods. Everyone's nodding. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck. Uh, Yaush says, uh, 
that we're getting closer. Uh, what about um, what about the what about the uh, cube friend here? So, what is sort of your physical makeup? What is it your species requires? You're asking uh, the Formith cube yeah. what what the Serlon require? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can I actually get a, uh, a persuasion roll to see if you if you, if you impress upon itself enough that it we wants to answer? Because it could just twenty five. It doesn't. Wow. Um, I think the Formith cube shifts and changes as we've seen it do into you know a variety of different weapons this season. Um, this time it turns into uh, like some kind of complex alien t- biotechnology you've never seen before. It's like a, some, some kind of writhing pustule gun. <laughs> it's like both a weapon and some kind of technology uh, and summons a spirit alongside it. You've seen this many times. The Formith captures these kind of uh, heroes and their like signature weapon. And it, there's just the, some form of some spirit of some alien species you've never seen before. This isn't a Serlon. This is just presumably someone they've captured. Um, and this, this spirit is now sitting at the table with you all. It is like some kind of um, insectoid creature with a with like four legs, two arms, uh, has a very strangely shaped body. If its head is like kind of part of its chest, it's just like very um, <laughs> unusual to you. None of you have seen anything quite like it before, which is leading you to believe that the Serlon have been out there in the far reaches of the galaxy, fucking shit up. Um, and this spirit, uh, seemingly like dazed, like it doesn't really know where it is, and it just says, "Oh hey, um, you know we just." The Serlon, they really just want to, you know, be safe. Just, like, have a lot of uh, things and people to help keep them safe because there's not many of them, you know? That's all they really want. And they have their culture. You, would, you, you wouldn't disrespect another species' culture, would you? Absolutely not. Um, but there is always an option. I don't... How do you feel about uh, transhumanism? <laughs> <laughs> what what is human well uh, i don't know what the, your particular term would be but uh, your flesh and mortal coil can be modified there is technology for this one that would put you in a place where your ability to reproduce wouldn't be as impacted your population numbers wouldn't have to be so low oh transurlanism Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably could have guessed that. <laughs> Why, did... <laughs> Why did you just say that? Um, yeah, I. They're open to it. I. They really. We really like the idea of taking all of the expensive cloning machines. You know, one of those things costs thousands and thousands of gold pieces and equipment. It's an eighth level spell. Mm. It's. What? Um, we'd love that. What about the idea? Of instead of getting bodies for you to uh, go ahead and, and go through, you instead got tadpoles that you could use to retain yourselves but have an illithid composition. And at that point, you would no longer have the same sustenance needs as you could equip yourselves to an elder brain and live a much more fruitful life. 
<laughs> Cecilia is now just the, the herald of the absolute. You're you're fully elder brain pilled. <laughs> Tad pill maxing. Let's elder, go. Elder elder pilled energy here. <laughs> I almost wish you had become an elephant earlier because it'd be very funny for you to suddenly be like, why doesn't everyone just become a mind flare? It's rocks. Let's all do it. Um, yeah, I'm curious what they think about that. I think um, mm. the the spirit that you've been talking to shifts again. Uh, you know, this time into something more familiar. You probably see um, like a, the big cells that comprise a, the solitaire alien species, and the weapon transforms into like a big hammer. Um, as I don't, you don't even know exactly what's going on here. It's like cycling through different captured heroes, maybe, uh, and then it does a couple more, like a human with a sword, a, a dwarf with like a pickaxe, uh, and an elf with a bow. Um, it's just like as if it's buffering, it's thinking. <laughs> um, Max will also posit something. It's like you mentioned about the the cost of these cloning machines. Well, one thing that could be possible. As we've discovered, you know, it is possible for others to have some control over the Formith technology. So perhaps in exchange of some Formith technology in exchange for the cloning machines could be possible for those that might need it. Uh, Buford's going to pull his team into a side huddle for a real uh, quick moment and say, look, I... I feel like I shouldn't suggest this, but if they just enjoy the experience of eating people for the suffering involved, I've kind of already done work on this. I look, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I look, this isn't the way I was going to come to it. And like, I'm going to wait and see what they respond first. But my, my like follow up with them might be, you have a lot in mind with you have a lot in common with the illithids that are trying to find ways to keep their cultural practices alive that don't harm other species in the process and that sure is potentially one of those Buford I don't think this is a good opportunity to pitch your audible.com subscription service for you know you know mind terrors and stuff like that but I do think you have but, a it, point but it's such a good deal you get you get two credits a month. <laughs> I will say that per Jenny's earlier explanation, you don't think the Surlon like suffering in the same way that like some mm -hmm. mind flayers do. They're not doing it for like a sadomasochistic thrill. They're doing it for some uh, like emotion or some chemical that you don't even have access to. Like it'd be like explaining like algebra to a squirrel. It's it's just it doesn't the brain structures yeah. don't exist. Yeah, you, yeah, you know what? Tr Trizzy's gonna chime in something and just say. Look, um, Salon, you are not the only people in this corner of space wrestling with wanting to keep your cultural and traditional practices alive in a universe that has, you know, reservations because of the harm that is done to other species. I'm not saying this is an instant fix, but there are probably some things that could be learnt by you, you know, perhaps spending some time with the Illithid's uh, faction that Admiral Grice is uh, heading up, in that it very much seems like you are at the beginnings of a journey they've spent a long time progressing through. 
Yeah, Admiral Grice at the invocation of his name actually speaks up and says, it would be a blow to our peace mission for to lose access to so many cloning machines to give them to the Sirlon to bolster their low population numbers. However, if a, a sizable percentage of these new Sirlon were seromorphosized to bring them closer into our society, that could be something worth exploring. If the Beholders, the Sirlon, and all of soul species had their own friendly illithids, wouldn't that all make wouldn't that make all of our cultural interfacing much easier? Potentially, if I also make a suggestion, we have a number of people, I believe, on the Resubian who have worked on, what's the word for it, uh, cruelty-free feeding methods for illithids, vampires, and the like. We could have put resources into researching an equivalent substa- uh, substance for the Sirlons, which would then also start removing restrictions that they have on on food resources that would constrain their population. Yaush rolls all of his Naruto eyes and says, oh yes, this ship, they're huge on cruelty-free alternatives. And like, like Inviting everyone else to kind of laugh at you. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know that many people take him up on that, but the, 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 the cube doesn't seem like it understands humor, but... Mm-hmm. He's trying to bust bust your chops there. Uh, I w- I've never I've never felt such uh, close relation to a cube. <laughs> uh, Dracus uh, actually speaks up at this point and says, "We've been considering the offer of using your miraculous wormhole engine to send all your enemies into the future. That could be a solution, but I would like one additional concession." What is that? I would like to arrive in a future with a finished Dyson Sphere. Mm. I was already thinking about that. Um, (laughs) There's nothing I can think of that Dan isn't already, like, have a whole fucking presentation to give me. Look, I said this at the start of of season 10. The only way to stump uh, Dan is to throw riddles designed for toddlers at him. And I had a 50% success rate. Yeah, you were pretty all right at it, but 50% failure rate is better than most tactics with okay. you. Uh, first, before we get to that point for him, uh, <laughs> what what I would like to say to Dracus is um, you have been focused on attempting to bring everyone into the fold uh, of you, Dracus, all is Dracus, Dracus is all, etc. <laughs> I posit that this could potentially be your eventual death. Not from our strength, but from our weakness. What the fuck are you talking about? So, um, Dracus wants to to illithidize or enslave everyone in the, the galaxy, right? Um, we have seen on many occasions we get when he does this, we are getting illithids that rebel against him, uh, uh, fight against the hive mind, and in a perfect Dyson Sphere scenario, 
where everything is completely interlinked. I think this could be a scenario where you get uh, toxic bioaccumulation. The more bad nodes that you bring into this hive mind, the higher chance that it is going to start causing issues further up the chain in the larger nodes, like an elder brain. It's, 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 are you basically suggesting the more people that he forcibly puts into the hive mind, the higher the chance of him being outvoted and not being the primary voice in the, uh, in, in the network? In a way, yes. And what I would posit is that if he starts trying to convince people to join with the cloned tadpoles, not only are you uh, reducing the chance of anything weird happening in the Ceramorphosis process where a useful skill gets lost, you also know they're already on board and not going to input bad data into you. Thank you for your input on running my empire. <laughs> However... Well, it's been split in half. You are about to be split in half. Uh, I have like a very strange idea. What if we let him have the Dyson Sphere? And then I want to turn to Yao and say, It sounds like at some point, we're going to need an army to stop that and be heroes to the entire galaxy. And I want to, like, set this motion in the future that, like, this Dyson Sphere will be there. And then the Beholders will be there to stop it from happening and be heroes to the cosmos. Yeah, I I understand the thought. My my thought was, how far are you planning on sending him into the future? Because I was thinking, oh, the Dyson Sphere will take, you know, 100,000 well, years to complete. I, I, have two, I have two thoughts to throw in, like, not out loud but to our team first of all can we send him far enough into the future that a Dyson Sphere is fucking baby technology like that's <laughs> fucking nothing he, we, we technically fulfilled the deal but it's like oh oh you've you've learned how to make a Dyson Sphere that's like making a lemon battery um the alternative is we make the agreement and we say sure we'll send you to the future and make sure there's a Dyson Sphere waiting for you send him to the future just don't make the Dyson Sphere What's he gonna do? He's been sent to the future at that point. <laughs> that's that's a great uh, line of thought. I was actually thinking about who would introduce this, but I I'm pretty sure in the D and D universe in which magic is real, all uh, like high level diplomatic oh. talks are sealed with the spell Gesh, where if you promise something yeah. and then you renege, you just explode and die. So you you cannot. Yeah, I. Okay. Yeah. Well, point being, I'm still pretty sure we can make a a binding magical deal and just send him so far into the future that he basically has Oh look, I wired up a potato and it powered a little alarm clock. I I think frankly, if we send them far enough in the future, probably every other civilization is dead. Or all of these are fascinating. I do love, this is like a Twilight Zone. This is like a time enough at last. He finally got what he wanted, and it was, it's turned to ash. So here is my idea for you, Yaush, and this also favors potentially now Grice and the Sirlons. Uh, you wanted to be a hero as a war hero, right? There is one other kind of hero that people love Beyond a shadow of a doubt, they throw balls for them. Uh, there are regular 
uh, fundraisers to support them, and that's first responders and firefighters. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was going to be athletes, rock stars. There's a couple different ways that could have gone. If we get connection back to Seoul, we're going to be going back to a, a chunk of the galaxy in disarray. And if we have pre-planned information on what has gone wrong, who can be primed to swoop in and fix it? And in turn, establish diplomatic, economic, uh, and social relations. Yes. All three of you. Yash says, you have no idea what's going on in Seoul, and I'm not going to risk everyone's futures on a complete and total guess. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a guess, because we are making progress with the Sirlons to potentially get that information. Um, Sirlons, would you be able to... Would you? Is there anything that is still a concern for you that would prevent you from giving us the information that we need to sort this other corner of the peace talks. Uh, the Formith cube rearranges itself. The spirit cycles through. Goblin, orc, troll. Settles on a, a different Ardling. Not anyone we know. Maybe just to show you that there are more of, you know, more of uh, you who have been captured out there. And then that's that spirit who has been summoned alongside like a, you know, a pole arm or something uh, says, if you give us the bot, if you give us the cloning machines, we will give you a name and a location. You will go back, you will kill this person and everything will be right. Uh, Max will visibly tense up a little bit at the sight of just another Ardling just being there just thinking about like the implications of it but doesn't like do anything instead of like make any particular moves at that so, for, so my understanding was that we have to if we went back in time not only do we have to get avert the complete disaster but also conceivably shut down all like essentially cause the same scenario uh, of like communication blackout without obliterating the actual structure of the reality. Is that correct? That was my understanding uh, when we first discussed this. Yeah, I, I wanted to simplify this, the timey-wimey bullshit so we don't have to talk about all the implications and all that. Here, the, what, what's happened is off-screen, the Sirlons have crunched the numbers. There's one bullet you can put in one head that will fix everything and no questions asked, no worrying about all the other shit. So the just the the butterfly wings will cause the hurricanes in just the way that everything will be fine, if that's what you want. I mean, as much as we were trying to avoid that being the solution, Yash does seem to be on board. If that is the plan, is Yash goes and does the one in the past kill. But Yash's plan was to publicize it to make himself a hero, and then use that propaganda. You're just going to shoot someone in the back of the head and get back on your ship. Specifically to do as little time damage as possible. In fact, you're all having this conversation, and I think Grice uh, pipes up and says, I would like to bring to the floor a possibility no one has yet broached, which is we destroy this accursed engine, which is causing all of this uh, Mishigas to begin with. I mean, destroying this engine doesn't change the fact that all of, all of this quarter of space is at each other's throats, and you... 
if we don't talk this through, ship or no ship, you're all gonna end up killing each other. Grace continues, yes, we were in a civil war, but it was a conventional struggle that millions of sapient species have gone through over the eons of existence. It was fairly within parameters. What you've introduced is a destabilizing element that personally I would prefer didn't exist at all. I don't think anyone here has the authority to use such a powerful device. I think it was irresponsible and immoral to build and is even more irresponsible and immoral to use. You're not necessarily wrong to say that, but you are not one of the people in this room who has to know that you can never go home and everyone you know and love is dead or dying or going to die soon in a terrible little shrinking pocket of space cut off from the rest of existence. So forgive me if I feel differently. Jennifer pipes up and says, or simply had their communication taken offline by some kind of solar flare. Okay, but we know that's not the case. Do you? Yeah, Sirlon just said that uh, we have to shoot somebody in the head, and I don't think we have to shoot a solar flare in the head. Oh, I didn't realize we trusted this creepy cube. Okay, Jennifer says sarcastically. I guess we're all 100% on board with the cube. <laughs> You're going to the future, bitch. Who cares? Shut up. You're talking about the table's done. This is why I never trusted psychologists. Either way, the fact of the matter is we know that this has worked because we have seen the ripples of it. Uh, you're going to the future, bitch. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good title right there. Uh, oh, oh, fuck. Yeah, I think, I think Trizzy's going re to respond and go, look, if you want to come up with a plan that you know gives all the, gives all of us on the Resubian the ability to go home or not all have all of our loved ones dead and solve all of these peace talks and make sure that like you're not a year from now going to be trying to kill each other again throw that throw that idea out if you can come up with a plan that that where i destroy the uh, the the engine and we still get everyone out of here without you know everyone launching war on each other Give me that idea, and I will destroy the engine if you put forward a compelling re a compelling argument of how we get out of this doing so. What if we just lie? What, what if we just lie and say that Dracus and the Mind Flayers got sent into the future by the combined efforts of Yaush's uh, Beholders and Grice's Mind Flayer, uh, Illithids? And what Dracus speaks up and says, and what would be the truth of this lie? Well, technically, it would be that the conversation is that you got sent in the future due to our combined efforts. So the nugget of it's true. But at the core, you'd no longer be a threat to everyone else in the galaxy. You're in the future getting what you want. And it gives us a starting point to integrate the beholders and elephants. Okay, you're discussing PR spin. I'm not interested in this, Dracus says. Can I look to Yaush and see if they're interested in PR spin? Um, <laughs> I think Yaush says, 
I'm with Admiral Grice. If you want to destroy this engine, that and then all everyone else teams up on Dracus and we just kick his ass. I'm that's great. I'll be a hero of that war. I think that that definitely solves everything. Would that unity last? Would teaming up against Dracus be a thing that would long-term unite you all? I mean, it depends on how many seasons of Dice Funk we do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think I think what Trizzy sort of chimes in is and goes like, look, I would love to say yes and on paper done, but fundamentally you all have really big issues that are going to cause clashes that if we don't resolve are going to lead to those clashes happening again and again. Around this table, we are getting somewhere. We have points of concession that are being made and it feels like we're getting towards somewhere. And I feel like if we throw that out the window to just say, everyone fight Dracus and hope that holds everyone together. You're also, if your choice is to throw every person on this peace mission that came from Seoul under the bus and spit in their face and say, you're never going home. Your your families and lives aren't worth it. You're going to have a mutiny on your hands. So if is that what you want on your conscience? Fighting through the entirety of uh, everyone on this ship? Potentially killing Trizzy in the process if destroying this ship kills her. Are you asking, you're asking Yaush about his conscience? Uh, he's just saying this, the, the the fact that you're going to have to throw everyone under the bus that has been trying. And this is also to, to Grice, who is trying to help you after talking about integrating and getting acceptance by soul for this entire time. Yeah, I think Jenny speaks up and says, I would caution you against using concepts like conscience without a shared uh, baseline. Yeah. You have to understand that, that that term barely means the same thing from uh, country to country on Earth, let alone solar system yeah. to solar system. Okay. Trizzy's gonna throw something out here and just say, how about this? We Oh, fuck. Here it comes. <laughs> uh, right. Let me, let me get my notes here. Right. Admiral Grice, you do not like that this engine exists. That is fine. Concession that we could make, we use the engine to go back, make the one change that protects Sol, come back, destroy the engine. At that point, it is no longer a bargaining chip. We use it for the one purpose we intend. I am the only person who knows how to create one. I will not create another. I will make a magical deal with you that prevents me from doing so in future. Right. Then, uh, Serlon. Uh, Serlon and, and Admiral Grice... There is ground that can be made between the two of you in terms of uh, potentially giving the uh, the uh, giving the Serlon access to one of the cloning machines, and in exchange, if the Serlon would be open to it, uh, having some ceramorphosis go on and start working on this. Um, Yaush, if being the hero of a war against Dracus would get you what you want in this situation, and there is nothing else that needs to be done for that. Could we do all of these things and then unite against Dracus? And that has solved Sol. It has gotten like the communications going and gotten like you know the progressive illithids and the Serlon getting what they want and building those bridges. Yaush gets to be a hero. Dracus is taken down. Is this an option? 
Okay, so in the uh, like the game we're playing is that there are four factions. They all want things. The ones you give things are your friends. The ones you don't are your enemies. So what you'd be signing up for there is uh, Dracus is enemy. Dracus end game. Uh, everyone else is your friend. Uh, Sirlons get to increase their population uh, of uh, uh, Feast of Worlds. You know the the where they go around eating people. Uh, Grice, it, Grice would specifically want. Uh, not just some of the Sirlons to become Mind Flayers, but to basically convert the Illithid Peace mission into a blank tadpole uh, gi- uh, giveaway, if, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. He, he doesn't, if you're already using the, the mm-hmm. wormhole engine, he, destroying it afterward doesn't uh, change his objection to it. The thing you'd be giving him, mm-hmm. the thing you'd be giving him would be changing all the peace mission from giving out cloning machines to giving out blank tadpoles. No, that, is, that is fine. I misunderstood Admiral Grice's concern. I thought the concern was this thing sticking around is going to cause future conflict over here in space. And I was trying to go, can we get what we want for Sol without having that be a concern on the table? It, if I may, may make one modification suggestion, maybe to weaken... Dracus and also get him off the table a bit. I, from what I understand, mind players, even if even if within their greater hive mind, they're not wholly unified. Individual elder brains have their own like goals in mind and views on how to take a, the war effort and things like that. What if we do kick Dracus to the future and let him leave all of his political enemies behind and kill them off as part of a uh, uh, the hero play? Yeah, there's a couple different elements here to talk about. One is that, yes, Dracus is not the president of all Elder Brains. He's not like, it's not like a Sauron situation mm. where if you take care of him, the whole army falls apart. He is just one of many, but he is like such a significant influence that like this is like, you know, and this is still important. Um, as far as sending him to the future, that's like a different, like Laura was setting up one slate of solutions and you were talking about a different slate. I think if you're if you're taking notes, mm-hmm. it's easier to visualize. Um, mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. sending Dracus to the future is incompatible with the kicking Dracus's ass stuff, mostly. I know I know what you said is you want to send him away yeah. and then spin it that you kick kicked his ass. Well, more more specifically, what I'm suggesting is that I, I'm trying to appeal to Dracus's ego. If he goes to the future when all of his, uh, the rest of the, like, the Elder Brains are wiped out, right? He now is effectively the president of Mind Flayers. <laughs> Ergo, he can be the, like, the ultimate god Mind Flayer and do what he wants. And we then wipe out whatever was left behind here. Dracus says, you misunderstand me, cyborg. I do not wish to be the leader. I do not want to be a political figurehead. My goal is grander in scope and scale than you can imagine. The Matryoshka brain that I am going to build with the Dyson Sphere is the endpoint of sapient life. Do you understand? This is something beyond flesh. I'm not going to be a governor. I'm going to be part of the final mind. Yeah, the more that Dracus talks, the more I'm like, look, if someone, if 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 we get three out of four and one's got to be the final villain, it feels like Dracus is probably the one that, uh... I guess, I just wanted to throw him into the future. No, 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 I, 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 I love the idea, 
I'm not saying that that's off the table. I'm just saying, yeah, the more, the more that I hear, I'm like, I I feel like the Sirlons, we can work something out that, you know, yeah, with, with, with uh, Admiral Grice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this particular endgame, look, unless we can throw him far enough into the future that his technology means fucking nothing, which I still think is a great plan to just not say out loud to him and send him a, tri- a trillion years into the future where the sun has exploded, you know? No, I, I think, this, I mean, Laura, that's very funny. I would say that you absolutely can elide details. Like, you can say, okay, we're going to send you into the future, and by the time you get there, we'll have built you a Dyson Sphere. Yeah. That that all can be true. You just leave out the part where, like, either that's baby technology by then or, like, everyone else is gone. All those are very funny. Having the sun explode, I feel like, maybe <laughs> violates the spirit of the deal, but you, it's, like, details, details, details. Yeah, look, I, look... Uh, we we can we can work out what fits within the spirit of the deal, but I think if if Dracus would be open to being sent to the future and we wipe out his fa- everyone left like the people he leaves behind from his faction, so that Yaush gets the 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 heroic victory, it's less of a difficult battle for us. So there are fewer casualties, and we can do a bit of a misleading where we send Dracus. That feels ideal. <laughs> Yaush says, well, I would want credit for banishing Dracus to the future with my wormhole engine that I invented, which is mine. You understand. Would you... A sec. If, look, if you're happy to take credit for the creation of an engine that gets destroyed in the process... Uh, you can have the credit. No, I want the Rezubian. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, look, I'm just gonna let you know in advance, and uh, I don't know if I've spoken to the rest of the crew about this, but, um, yeah, when we're done with this, uh, if Sol is safe... The Lickham's Ice Cream Corporation is going to come to reclaim their property, the most powerful ship in the universe, and uh, you've not seen the ice cream fleet. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I have a question. Um, does, through all of like Buford's like, uh, shadier uh, shipping uh, information, have any dirt on Lickham's? I mean, no. If anything, they have dirt on you. Yeah. I here. Damn. I wanted to leak and destroy their stock. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Laura just said an incredible series of words. Yeah. It was just the ice cream fleet. What <laughs> if? Okay. What if we send Dracus into the future? Uh, Grace gets a whole new piece program of handing out the blank tadpoles. Uh, the Surlon get the the body cloning machines, and Yaush gets all the credit for everything and the Resubian. And then the final boss is the Lickums Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fine, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to propose that the that the I was going to propose that the Lickums Corporation builds the Dyson Sphere, which would be a very a different type of sphere, I guess. A- I mean, not to not to you know put my shit out there too much. Uh, I don't know if I want to leave this in the episode, but we've been building up the whole season with the AI of yep. the ship getting more and more and more unhinged. Um, yeah, yep. I think it calling in a fucking fleet to try to take back their time machine. 
Um, I, I mean, that's the impression I got on, during that one conversation Trizzy's had, is the uh, the corporation wants their tech. Yeah, I mean, that's I was foreshadowing that, yeah, this wasn't yeah. a completely uh, altruistic organization. Once again, this has all been through improv. Go back to the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Quinn is the one who introduced ice cream being a thing at all. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I saw people in the Discord today giving me credit, being like, oh, that was yeah. so, such a funny thing you did. I didn't do it. You all did that. Yeah. <laughs> This is this is like fucking season three where I made one offhand joke in that two minute conversation where we introduced Veltari and that created an entire character trait. Sometimes you just say a thing and it it, mm-hmm. it it's there. Um, uh, I was gonna say something as Trizzy and then I realized Trizzy learned last episode it wasn't true. Trizzy was about to say the problem with with your plan, Yash, of you taking the ship as well is that Trizzy would have to stay with you. But that's not true. Trizzy does have the option to sever that connection. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I don't know... Uh, I don't know if Yarsha knows that. I mean, that feels like a Trizzy epilogue thing, which is like, after the the smoke clears, do you want to stay in Yarsha's Lickums yeah. Corporation? <laughs> because, yeah, that's that's what he's suggesting, is like... Um, I want to. Uh, I want to have the credit for everything that's happened to the season, basically. And then when the ice cream company mm-hmm. comes to take their shit back, I'm going to kick them in the dick. Look, as as much as as Trizzy is like saying the re- like you know the the Lickums Corporation is the reason you can't do this. I think honestly, the reason that Trizzy doesn't want that to happen is even if she has found out that this was this was all just you were a very convenient thing to spy through. Trizzy fucking loves this ship and does not. Like the cr- the credit, fine. This ship going into into someone else's control. Is he's not okay with that? Well, w- what does under Yaush's control really mean at that point? Because you could still just be the head engineer of the ship if that's your 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 prerogative at that point. Yeah, I mean, if this com- if this campaign had gone differently. Uh, Yaush would be like more of an antagonistic force. You did spend like eight episodes making him like you. So I feel like this is just kind of changing the nameplate on the door <laughs> of the owner. I feel like uh, not much has to change. But it and it feels like it does though, and I can't justify why that is. But I I don't know that Trizzy would be okay with it. Like. As much as everything has been said, I don't think Trizzy would be okay with the idea of a Yaush-operated Rizubian. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And, and I I don't know that she I don't know that she says this out loud at this moment, but it's a realization she's now sat there during the talks trying to work out why do I feel that way and is there anything that I that I can ask for that would change that. Is there any concession Trizzy would need to be okay with this? I'll say when uh, Trizzy brings up that it'll bring in a conflict with uh, Lickums, Buford will say, bring it, fuck those soft-served dick bags. If I could have you met Ophelia, the only representative on this ship that I know of, awful. Hey, <laughs> what the fuck, Buford? I'm in the group chat, you dick. Uh, Trizzy is gonna chime in and and uh, after some some quiet thought and go. If we said yes to 
your last little addition there, Yausch. Does anyone at this table still have any objections? If the slate is Dracus goes to the future for his Dyson Sphere, Grice gets the blank tadpole initiative, the Surlons get the cloning machines, and Yausch gets the Razubian and the credit. No, I think everyone gets what they want. And I think we've unlocked the secret true ending final boss, <laughs> which is capitalism. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, tr- okay, Trizzy is is going to ask to be excused for a moment um, and is going to motion to Buford to come with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll yeah. he'll leave. Well, I think he was probably standing. I don't think chairs can hold him anymore. Yeah. Um and Trizzy will just say Um I probably should have talked to you about this before. Um there was a wedding and then there were peace talks. I had other things on my mind, but suddenly it is kind of relevant. Um Yeah, I'm glad I caught the bouquet. Oh, oh, it's gonna be you're gonna have such a special day. Uh I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, the connection I had with this ship that I thought meant something special turns out to have been much like uh, Max and Formith. I have been a conduit through which uh, the Lickham's Corporation has been keeping an eye on all of us. And I was given the opportunity to sever that. And I said, no, I will continue to be that set of eyes in exchange for, and I don't know whether this would have was successful or not, um, it was very tough to get a read, the Lickham's lawyers attempting to get you some leniency when we got back to Seoul. way I see it. My whole life has kind of been like a truck going down a hill towards a brick wall without brakes, and it's about to hit that wall. You might have replaced the pads, but that ain't going to slow it down too much. So, I suppose one final shot at doing what I'm frankly best at a giant fuck-off firefight with a bunch of corporate stooges. Sounds like a good way to wrap this in a bow. (laughs) And means you'll get a chance to build a better ship next time. One without a fetish for soft-serve delights. (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah. I really got my hopes up that, uh, the connection to the ship was... You know, people like to, you know, read significance into into coincidence. Do you think you could sort of interfere with the AI's ability to communicate with Lickums? Because I would assume at this point it's just recording data to send off the moment we get comms back up. I mean... But if I could get a message out to my teams back home, we can make this real interesting. I can certainly try. I will, however, note 
I did just let you know the ship is basically watching through me. So it's not going to be a sneak attack. Do I look like I've ever been good at sneaking? <laughs> I can't I can't say you do. You don't need a sneak if you break the other person's legs. Yeah, but the ship doesn't have legs. <laughs> what are you gonna break? I can start pulling and see what happens. Honestly, if frankly, destroy every ice cream dispenser, that might get it so stressed out it forgets to send the message. Oh my god, this is almost like turning into a different thing. Is the final boss the ship? <laughs> Are you fighting the ship? Um, I would think that if the ship just starts like, oh, I'm going to vent everyone on it into space, uh, probably that's not the best idea because Buford doesn't A, want uh, any people he cares about to get hurt, and it's just a intractable fight at that point and potentially fucks up the entire peace talks. Um, I, I think probably the, the better idea is let loose the dogs of war and lick the ice cream. Uh, the, the tongue of war. <laughs> yeah. Let loose the tongue of war <laughs> to, to lick the cone. Yeah. Yeah, Trizzy's certainly not going to walk off right now as we're just about to close the peace talks uh, and start, like, dismantling the ship. But Trizzy is going to go... About our earlier conversation? Cut the connection. Uh, can I get a wisdom saving throw? Don't we don't we got that like proficiency thing going on right now or something? Uh no, there's a different okay, so we have, there's actually a different zodiac. It's the tadpole zodiac, which I said before, uh was uh you would get a proficiency bonus for however many allies you had. I don't remember if you remember this conversation. I said that doesn't make much sense now, but it will later. If you if you go through this plan where every all four of the delegations get what they want, that means everyone gets a plus four to their proficiency bonus to fight the Lickums Corporation. Cool, but not a plus four on this roll here right now. <laughs> yes, okay. sure. If you're if you if you're going through with it, I don't know if everyone's I, taking a vote. Yeah, I don't know if everyone has taken a vote. I'll just do the roll without. Okay, um, three. Fuck, Austin, you couldn't give me advantage on this one. Uh, so instead of getting the kind of immediate response you would like, uh, you get a message, uh, calling you to Sapient Resources. Uh, Ophelia would like to speak with you right now is what happens. You get a little message. I think maybe the AI voice responds to you and, and, you know, tells you out loud, like, uh, please submit your request to Sapient Resources. Uh-huh. Okay. Um... Yeah, Tr Trizzy is gonna be is gonna make this journey like watching every single possible corner for like murder traps. <laughs> she does not trust this ship not to be like I turn the corner and there's an ice cream fire hose ready to just like blast me into oblivion. Uh, like wow, this this array of ice picks normally is in above my head when I go down this hallway. They must have been redecorating here. Right, you you never trust the journey to a second location being a safe thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, writing down ice cream fire hose <laughs> for later <laughs> use. Uh, Buford, I'm gonna assume you go with Trizzy. 
Yeah, he'll he'll go with her. He's just walking. He doesn't have the capability to hide in a small ship hallway. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, what are Max and uh, Saint Cecilia doing at the peace talks? Like everyone is, you know, messaging back home, signing papers. Like the uh, the, the tentative agreement's been made, though I don't think anyone's like signed anything or like the uh, magical binding spells haven't been cast. More accurately. Uh, so I imagine like St. Cecilia is uh, sort of like not smoking because I don't think she would, but like that equivalent of like kind of like off to the side, kind of drinking some blood. It's, you know, blood o'clock. Got to get blood in you <laughs> and just kind of mutters to Max like it sounds like everything is working out. Yeah, i honestly kind of surprised after how the last attempt at peace talks went uh i was almost certain that there was going to be a fight literally in here and someone else was going to get their head blown off but i would like to have say that it was because i am here but i think the reason why it went so well is because wendy is not here that i think you're right on both counts i think uh you being here certainly helped, and Wendy not being here probably helped even more. Uh, Assuming head explosion is not the goal, in which case Wendy is absolutely the first person you would want in this room. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, very, like, the. I guess the thing with Wendy is that there's not really, like, ammunition that's left behind since she is the ammunition, so... I googled what is the equivalent for vampires smoking, and Google just doesn't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the equivalent is probably smoking. Yeah. Also, like blood vape. Don't worry, everyone. Trizzy's gonna come back, come back to the the meeting room shortly and shoot someone in the head. Like that. That was the deal. Trizzy's gonna still gonna come back and do that. We 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 remembered that. Yeah. Yeah. Saint Cecilia's just gonna say like, "Oh, I don't think I really got to talk to you." It's all about the hubba, but it was a beautiful wedding, by the uh, way. Uh, oh, thank you. I well, I, I obviously I wasn't planning on having a wedding, letting alone let alone having a wedding on here. But it was it, it, it was nice. I mean, not just for Cami and and me, but it seemed like for everyone else, it was just nice to have a moment like that after all the tension with the standoff with. You know, uh, Yaush's forces and, well, Dracus's forces and everything else. Yeah. I, uh, I think in time, the more unorthodox the wedding, the more you're able to sort of appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, it is uh, hopefully a memory you'll be able to cherish for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, I guess, though, with my line of work, if we have to go up against any particular threat anytime soon i've i'm still kind of in a mental state of where i have to go out and put myself on the line so i just have no idea how long you know how long i have at any moment do you have to do that no that's just like when you've been when when you've been in sort of a military environment for a while you have that sort of self-disposability mentality that i'm still trying to shake off um, maybe that was kind of why I was kind of gung-ho about being part of a weight team with Tully's monsters was like, you know, I, I'm supposed to be out there, you know, risking things. Well, you know, after your wedding, the first thing you're supposed to do is start planning a beautiful, relaxing honeymoon. So 
Why not think of somewhere very far away from soldiers and uh, war? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good plan. We ha- we have to go drop if off. Gothic is your style. I know of a cozy little beyond the realm. My uncle owns the place. Strahd. He now look. Don't stay anywhere near the castle, but the outskirts. It's like the right level, the creepy and the cozy. Honestly, I think that might be a good departure because we went back to like, you know, back to our home. It's very uh, serene, pastoral, idyllic, and you know, a departure from that would be nice. And honestly, dank vibes. Uh, is it dank? Is it? It's not really dank, is it? It's more. The corners of rooms are definitely dank. Sure. And hiding dark secrets from you, but uh, generally, it's more just uh, unnerving. Is kind of the vibe, but like in a like a sexy kind of way. So, what's the botanical culture like over there? I've been always I'm always into flowers, obviously. So, I might be able to find some, uh, find some samples to uh, you know to 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 make records of and all that stuff when I'm there. So, if you're into withering, they have a lot of plants that are withering, um, hmm. which can be beautiful. You can make a lot of nice withering arrangements. Uh, most plants might try to poison you or have spiders inside that will try to poison you. So you do have to be a little careful with your, like, picking. But otherwise, you know, it's just got its own unique flavor. I was really thinking you were going to pull out an actual plant species from Ravenloft. I was like, damn, Quinn is about to alley-oop this. This is going to be a slam dunk. Oh, man. You thought I you thought I read that part of the book? I was like, <laughs> I thought that's what you were setting up. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's there i've seen i see like there's a ravenloft wiki that has it it's higher category for plants all over the place in there which yeah. is pretty wild <laughs> they actually with that hardcore but max you know their their demeanor definitely is calmed when talking about this sort of nothing about life-threatening stuff around saint cecilia so um i mean i i know that you're well you've done so much i've I've heard the rumors or murmurings or honestly stuff about what you've done in your past, St. Cecilia, but, you know, is there a next steps for you after all this? I don't, uh, I don't actually know that answer for myself, which is a strange feeling. This is sort of the first time in my, re- my life that I haven't immediately started thinking about the next step, but uh, perhaps that is the change of pace I need. Something to not think about what to do next and just chill. You do that every couple hundred years as a vampire. You just kind of are like, all right, this is going to be like an off decade. Hmm. And you just kind of, you know, vibe for a little bit before figuring out what to do next. Yeah, that's so... It's wild to think about time scales that wide, but, you know, that's... I mean, honestly, things are always weird when you go out and around and you see all these different folks out here. I think that's probably the thing I've appreciated most being out here, despite, well, <laughs> all the things with the Formith Cube and and the other threats. It's just been so different out here than it is back in Seoul. And that's kind of neat. Uh, St. Cecilia is lying, but she is going to say... I agree. It's very different out here. <laughs> she just doesn't want to kind of bum the mood down by being like, actually, I came out here and I found everything uh, annoyingly similar. 
Yeah, I was like, I think, I, I think, well, I'm trying to think of how many orders of magnitude Cecilia is older than Max. Because Max is like 18, 19. So it's like. <laughs> Can I get a dexterity saving throw, San Cecilia? Uh... <laughs> oh, She's but... getting RKO'd. Uh, or pied. <laughs> I, I, I Out of nowhere. Um, I rolled a 13. Yeah, that's good enough. Uh, so <laughs> just coming into your peripheral vision in a blur of tentacles is Dot the Mind Flare, who uh, just glomps you. Uh, just like <laughs> like when you were growing up at an anime convention. Uh, she just throws herself at you and says, CC, we did it! We did it! And she just starts tentacling on you uh, just recklessly. Um, how does being tentacled feel? I just like wet noodles hitting That's you in the face. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on the specifics. I'm, this is this is a uh, platonic uh, tentacling. I'm assuming, but I mean, like, is it cold? Is it? I I'm just trying to imagine. I, I'm trying to get in the head of a character, and for some reason, this is the most difficult process to imagine. Is like, what would having like a bunch of tentacles thrown over my face make it, me feel like? It's like, well, like just it's imagine a bunch of, damp. Imagine a bunch of cold cooked spaghetti. Wait a minute, that may not be a good idea to think of. Just. Like. I mean, I think we think cold because, like, octopi and squid live underwater. But if the, you're a above-water creature who's walking around blood-pumping through you, I bet your, like, body temperature, I bet they're they're not that cold. They're probably sure. a little slimy and a little rubbery, but uh, <laughs> otherwise. In fact, I'm undead. So, if anything, I'm the one with a cold body temperature. <laughs> That's so true. Maybe, maybe Dot is actually offended. Like, oh, a little chilly there. <laughs> Gross. What's with this? Get, get, get a blanket. Heavy. <laughs> You're both equally uncomfortable to the touch. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I fives all around, Dot. Dot starts rubbing your face to try to warm it up. Oh my god, we have to get you like a new foundation or something. Your skin's so jacked up. I mean, it's like porcelain beautiful, but like, I don't know <laughs> what you. Oh yeah, you're dead. I forgot. Never mind. What, what, yeah, I just. Know. I got slime everywhere. We all have our, our crosses to bear, which is weird. You know, I actually know the guy who that story is about. <laughs> we already did this whole bit, didn't we? <laughs> Vampire Jesus. <laughs> oh, now that you've said the joke, it's coming to me because I do recall vividly searching Vampire Jesus and nothing yeah. really coming up. But uh... There's a lot of times where you search for a vampire plus something else and the search engine's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about here. Just, At the yeah. same time, this is a big name drop. I feel like CC would bring this up to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Dot's just squirming and happy and saying, uh, telling you about everything she's experienced since she left the Resubian. She's like, oh, my God, I love living uh, on the Evulsion. Admiral Grice is so cool. They have all these old uh, books and stuff that I can read and find out more about you know, illithid culture. Oh, you should uh, try the these brain substitutes. You know, she's just excitingly info dumping about her her dream that she's gotten to live thanks to you. I'd like to think Saint Cecilia is kind of quietly uh, flicking the butterfly off her her finger, and it'll land on Dot's head so she can see like the color of of uh, Dot's excitement in this moment. Yeah, what's the what's the color of excitement? I would assume like yellow, yellow. isn't it? Yeah. Yellow. Yeah. If we're following inside out rules, it's yellow with a little bit of blue and then like mm. a green dress. Right, for some right. Reason. Oh, that's a good combination. Yeah. Um, 
but in this case, it's just a very vibrant yellow. But I would like to do, I guess, an insight check on Dot, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to get what are her feelings like. Uh, what's my insight? There it is. Uh, it's going to be a 17. Holy butt. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> uh, I think... It, this is an interesting question because I think her joy is 100% genuine. Is she annoying people around here? Absolutely. But I don't know that that's something that she would pick up on necessarily, you know? It's like, is she you're... happy? That's the important thing. She's allowed to be cringe. She's free now, Austin. I want to know if she's happy. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, very happy and very cringe. The Ill- the Illithids have a, have a long way to go. They have a lot of like societal things. They still have not yet killed the part of themselves that cringes, and they need to. <laughs> so they're going to kill Dot? No, the part no. inside themselves. <laughs> yeah, the part inside themselves that cringes. W- w- Wendy needs to learn how to uh, assassinate cringe out of people. Like <laughs> You've heard it here, folks. Kidnapping people works. Do it. You'll get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> no we all agreed that was the wrong way to go that, about things did it ultimately get her what she wants yes so maybe yeah. there's a weird message there yeah. but don't, don't engage don't engage in cringe napping okay that's what we just gotta say we're being very clear that uh that part of her story is bad and not admirable now, now yosh also did help kidnap multiple people and he is getting what he wants i'm just saying it might be a theme this season but yosh is also still pretty cringe so i think that, that still stands i think the takeaway is that rehabilitative justice works that's trying to help people to get better because that's what Wait a Cecilia minute. did. this sounds like a season three lesson to have learned austin what are you talking about here I'm just saying, uh, kidnapping doesn't work by itself. And it takes a team. You also need to roll well. <laughs> it takes a team. It takes a team, <laughs> a team of kidnappers. God. It takes a team to you kidnap need, a child. You need a, you need a tech person. You need a car drive person. A punch person. You need mm-hmm. a whole gang to make the uh, kidnapping work. Yeah, we've all learned a valuable lesson. Uh, let's cut back to Trizzy and Buford, who arrive in Ophelia's office. I believe Ophelia was in the group chat earlier mentally, but she is, you know, where you usually find her, sitting behind her desk, has a, a poster for the big blopper there. Um, she has a lot of paperwork. I think she also canonically is always li- lifting weights and has like a big jar of, or, you know, a big container of protein supplement or something. <laughs> There's always little details of her crusty office every time we go in here. Yeah, so Tr- Trizzy's gonna sort of knock on the door and uh, hope to be invited in. Uh, <laughs> Vampire rules. Yeah. Well, look, look. She doesn't want having started the conversation by being rude to be added on top of I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get into some weird shit about me being connected to the ship and what that what's going on with that. I want this to I want to start on a good footing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ophelia welcomes you in. Uh, she seems uh, concerned. She definitely doesn't have the celebratory tone that Dot did before we cut over. Uh, but she like is waiting for you to uh, open or or sit down or something. Um, hi. Um, so the the Lickums Corporation has been spying via, via me via my connection to this ship. And I would like to n- not have that be the situation. 
This entire ship. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll have to do a fucking British accent. You fucked me on this one, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> this entire ship is the property of the Lickums Corporation, and everything that happens on it is proprietary IP. What do you mean spying? It's, it was never yours to begin with. I mean, spying in the sense of I was unaware of the fact that my eyes would be like my eyes were cameras for the ship. That's weird. I don't believe your eyes are cameras, Trizzy. I believe your thoughts were synced in the same way all of our thoughts are synced with the captain. It's a illith admission. This is part of the whole package. Trizzy stops for a second and goes, Did, did you know? Did you know? Did you know? Did I know that you had an accident when building the ship and that you are vibrating at the same frequency as the AI core? Yes, of course. Why do you think you're here? Did did you know the nature of what was going on? What what that meant? I don't know if you do. No, but it Sounds like you understand it more than I do. You're a sapient species, and you're my resources. I'm in charge of sapient resources. I'm not enjoying that I am the last one to, 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 to be learning that there's not some kind of deep, meaningful, spiritual element to this, and that I am... Okay, cool, 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 everyone... Everyone knew what the deal was. Cool, cool, cool. B Buford has his ear, like, pressed up against the door, listening in on this conversation like everyone does when they hear some tea going down in an office. <laughs> I mean, who's to say what's spiritual? I mean, that's between you and your spirit, I guess. What? It's, it's, a, com it's a computer. What do you mean? Well, look, I'm telling you that I, I was not... I was not entirely aware of what the deal was, and I would like to not be... I would like to... I would like the connection to not be happening. I say I would like that to be the case. I feel the need for that to not be the case. All right, well, as I'm sure you're aware, everything about the AI is corporate property, including the brain imprints you made when you synced with our machinery without permission so as long as you're willing to surrender you, that you, can you 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 can i just say you say that as if you say that as if like i made a decision to do a thing without permission you made a decision not to take proper precautionary measures that's called uh that's called uh the burden on you. I don't know what you I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> I can call that, it legal. That legal term, is it? It's burdens on you. I was uh, literally about to say the correct term and then I realized she's not a lawyer. Yeah, and I was waiting for you to use the correct term so I could call you, Austin, a lawyer. Yeah. It's called the standard of care. And I was like, she wouldn't know that. She, but she would she okay. would say, I'll i I'll put legal on the line. Okay, look, I've got to I've gotta clarify what you're saying here. It what am I interpreting right? It sounds like the Lickham's Corporation has like a scan of my brain that they would have the legal rights to or something. 
Uh, legally, uh, there's some uh, nuance there, but let's just say yes. Uh, the, the computer mind did not exist until your mind bumped into it real hard. <laughs> and now your brain is inside of the ship and the ship is ours. So your brain is ours. You say this isn't spiritual or profound. It, it, you are the ship. <laughs> I don't know how you're, we're flying around in your mind. Now, see, that's... That's what I thought was going on, and then I tried to have a conversation with it, and it was like, hello, I'm Lickums. All praise Lickums. There's none of me in there. That's just fucking Lickums bot. Well, obviously, we had to program in uh, corporate responsibility. We had to add fiduciary duty. There's a lot of things on top of your mind that prioritize stock price and things of this nature, but you're in there somewhere. Buford is going to open the door at this point and sit down and say, Hi, uh, I believe we've had conversations about horrific things done to uh, a person's mind. Are you saying the Lickums Corporation took a sentient mind and then, against its potential will, started to make alterations to it? It's interesting you say that, Dan. What is the name of the headless man? Because we've keep, we've talked. I about... don't think Buford knows because okay. he did not care. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. We've never said the severed head's name out loud, but I just want to you bringing the specter of this character back. I think uh, Ophelia sits back in her chair, uh, very dramatically. She's a very large hippopotamus woman. The whole chair creaks uh, under her as she like makes a very dramatic showing of thinking about what you just said, and she says, "All right, I can see." That everyone's ganging up on me, uh, but you've made my decision a lot easier. Um, thank you for your cooperation. You can turn in your employee ID badges on the way out. Um, and I guess return to your quarters. Law enforcement will be here soon to pick you up, Buford. I don't know what you want to do, Trizzy. I assume we can drop you off at the nearest planet. So you're the hiring manager here, right, Ophelia? Hiring and firing. Well, once communication with Lickums gets back up, how is it going to look when multiple employees that you directly hired led to so many catastrophes? You had a security officer commit ego death mid-mission. We can quibble over all the little events of our journey. Here's the bottom line is that uh, the Lickums Corporation now controls a time machine, so nothing else matters <laughs> forever, both all the way to the beginning of time and all the way to the end of time. So literally nothing else you say is important. Yeah, Trizzy, Trizzy, Trizzy's had too many fucking... Hard, hard, complete 180 understandings of the situation for today. Too many. It's too much. Trizzy's now sat trying to plan how do I do a heist to get the Cyber Trizzy back? How do I free (laughs) Cyber Trizzy? Yeah, I mean, that's what I think is like the connection you want is in there. It's just been painted over with uh, corporate logos. Work for hire, the most depraved uh, clauses yeah. in a company's contract. Yeah, that is that is something. Yeah, no. As of five minutes ago, Trizzy was like, "Oh no, no, no! This is literally just I. I've been talking to 
corp corporate bot. Corporate bot has. She gonna need a minute to check. Are we still all uh, connected through the captain? Can we all still like communicate with each other? Uh, yeah, I think so. Can I, like I, I want to ask our party then, like, hey, where are you uh, guys? They're they're preparing finalization uh, finalizations over here. Yeah, I think um, Buford would say, well, Trizzy, I think it's time for us to go to our room, so to speak, and then start having this conversation. Well, shit, he can't have this conversation with Trizzy, I guess. So he's going. You're you're all t- you're opening up multiple Slack channels within it. Like you have like seven different Slack chats with Bur- different people. Burner Slack channels. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, and so as like they're leaving the room, Buford's just gonna kind of casually say to Trizzy, "You, you know what I've always enjoyed? Those pictures where if you look at it and you uh, look at it for half a second, oh, it looks like a shark, but then you look again and it's actually uh, like a, a leg instead, and the mouth, uh, the leg is inside of the shark's mouth or whatever. You know, you're looking for the absence of something." to get to a meaning without saying it aloud. Uh-huh. Anyway, I need to go have a long think about things, and I don't think you should have a think at all currently. I'm... Gonna try and think about as few things as I can. Yeah, then he's going to open a Slack channel to uh to uh Max the Captain and uh what is it uh the Saint Cecilia Saint Cecilia Saint Cecilia. Sorry, I kept wanting to say Ophelia over and over again. Like that's not right. Um, and say yeah uh. Lickums is going to actively try to take over this time machine here, and I guess institute a corporate uh, overlordship of all time. A one hundred thousand year ice cream Reich. Oh, the ice cream apocalypse! They told us this was going to happen. Buford, sorry, B- uh, Buford suddenly has an idea. If if the ship's mind is Trizzy that has had a bunch of shit thrown over it, what if we recreate the accident and reset it back to her? Or just plug me into the ship, and maybe two Trizzies being in there will be enough to override the Lickham's bot. <laughs> we, we use her as a file integrity check. Right! Just plug me in and use me as, like, physical hardware to, like, reboot the system. St. Cecilia and Max, what are you doing? You're in the room with uh, Dot, a four-myth cube, uh, Jennifer, the psychologist, and Yaush, who are all talking and, you know, drinking and uh, sending messages back to their fleets and stuff. Is there anything you want to do physically? Uh... I think Max is going to look over to Saint Cecilia and it's like, hey, uh, do you think we should step out of the room here to uh, talk about um, uh, 
putting uh, plans to put things into motion and all that stuff. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things we have to do to facilitate the peace talks here uh, that we've just kind of promised, and we we want to make sure that we uh, execute it all uh, uh, by the books and stuff, right? Can I? I feel like I should just talk to Ophelia. I feel like Lickums actually is getting a really good deal out of everything here. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna get the time machine spaceship they probably want, and I guess that's the problem with all businesses is they can't be happy with like, wow, we just we we created two revolutionary technologies on this ship that like we're attached to, and all the goodwill our stupid ice cream ship has created in this area. Yeah, look, I. I think the problem is once you introduce time travel ship as an option, I don't think there's anything you put on the table where they don't just go, yeah, but we'd rather have the time travel ship, though. Yeah, but I have like a plus 15 to persuasion. There's a lot capitalists could do with time travel. I I guess part of me is like thinking about information that we know because I thought Buford relayed information to us um, about what was going on. And I guess I don't know what information from that we know or don't know about what's happening. Yeah, so if I, Buford, Buford can suggest this, that what he's going to start, I'm going to start trying to work on, I don't know, some kind of interface to overwrite uh, the the AI core back to, I guess, basics default, remove the, remove the ice cream paraphernalia. Um uh, if you want to meet up with me, that's fine. Uh, I think Trizzy kind of has to, I guess, stay. Well, I'll need her in the room to do some uh, uh, measurements. Um, but you guys can spin whatever you need to in the the peace talks or update them if you feel that's best. I don't. That's a little bit outside of my conversational pay grade. I guess what Saint Cecilia will do in this situation is. Uh, Kind of push the delegates along, be like, yeah, you don't need to sign that contract here. You actually can do that on your ship and you just said space fax it over. It, it actually works out just the same way. So basically trying to clear everybody else off the ship because she's she's gathering that like being on the ship is actually going to be a pretty significant event going forward. <laughs> Where are Trizzy and Buford going? Are they going actually back to their individual rooms? Yeah, actually, I think I think Buford wants her doing things and keeping her mind occupied while he's trying to build whatever brain machine he can come up with to to purge the AI core. All right. And Max and St. Cecilia are in the room with the delegates uh, and uh, Ophelia gets onto the intercom and she says, attention, assemble diplomats. Uh, there's been uh, an emergency uh, change. In leadership here aboard the DM Resubian, uh, Captain Slackdemil has been relieved of his duties, and I am currently acting captain for the remainder of this mission. I'm going to turn to the delegates and say, ignore that. I need to go have a talk with somebody real quick, and I'm going to Ophelia. Uh, 50, I need a 20 for you to get out before the steel uh, shutter comes down uh, as Ophelia activates the pineapple protocol. That was only to await her home team, though. Uh, Ophelia said, <laughs> yeah, uh, what do you mean? 
Like only uh, uh, Bill Webb, Trissy, and Saint Cecilia could do it. I, I thought even uh, the captain didn't have that authority. The captain didn't, but you hear uh, Ophelia say over the intercom, authorization code bootylicious. <laughs> Which uh, Trizzy, I believe, revealed <laughs> uh, like five episodes ago, inadvertently, because of a wild magic uh, thing, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was magic, a wild magic compelled to just start spouting passwords. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, sh- shutters come down, partitioning uh, this this meeting room off from the rest of the ship. And then you hear the AI voice say, say "Venting procedures initiating." Uh, okay. Uh- <laughs> Buford is gonna say very calmly to Trizzy. If whatever she is doing hurts my sister, I'm going to drown her in her own blood. Ironically, that would be the second worst death she's faced in this campaign. <laughs> uh, still, it's still so sick that she was killed with a spinning lightsaber from the inside. What a fucking incredible moment. I feel like I know what's going to happen, but can I try contacting Ophelia with our, our little Slack channel? Absolutely. Be like, uh, hey, I have questions. It feels like a lot of things were kind of just thrown out that are very quickly. Uh, oh, hello, communication officer St. Cecilia. You better make it quick. You are going to be in the void of space very shortly. 20 seconds? 19 seconds? Go ahead. Oh, well, okay. First and foremost, we got to increase that timer. There's not enough time for a dialogue like that. You know that. And by the way, have I told you your nails look pretty? Anyway, I feel like this is not the right way we want to approach this, and is actually a violation of several procedures within the Lickup's handbook. <laughs> That's the most persuasive argument anyone has made to her. <laughs> it's a violation of corporate policy. Uh, yeah, she says, That's definitely a true and a huge issue. I think we will go back and fix that in post. It's just what I'm calling changing the past now. Um, now that we control the Resubian. But uh, thank you for your service. It's really it's I been feel, a pleasure. I, I feel as though Lickums as a company does not want their first use of their time machine to have to be going back to fix clerical errors. This is something that should have been done right the first time, quite honestly. Not for nothing, but I mean, you you know these uh these these rulebook uh, regulations the same that I do. You have had to read them. We all had to. I mean, these things have to be done right. You're so right. That's why you're such a valued member of our Lickums family. Uh, we treasure you and everything you contribute, and I'm going to miss you terribly. Uh-huh. Uh, now, of course, uh, if we understand our, our system and our rule books efficiently right now, we should be processing everybody, which means you should be getting vented as well. Oh, no, you're out of time. Strike saving throw <laughs> as uh, the uh, partitioning wall to the outside space opens up. And uh, St. Cecilia, uh, Maxina, uh, Dot, the Formuth Cube, Jennifer, and Yaush are vented into space. Mm-hmm.